Welcome to the We Love Arabian Horses podcast, sponsored by Markel, the insurance with horse sense. Let's jump right in. Hello, everybody. This is Paul Costa with the We Love Arabian Horses podcast, and we're thrilled today to have two fantastic ladies joining us. We've got Donna Hinchis from Region 10 and Lori Ann Salmi from Region 12. Hello, Donna. Hello, Paul. How are you doing? We're doing great. Thank you for being here. And Lori, thank you for being here as well. That's my pleasure. I agree. It's my pleasure also. We're going to talk today especially about clubs and regions and how that they can do um, more in terms of marketing and promotion and outreach programs for the Arabian horse in their areas. Donna is the current president of the Minnesota Arabian Breeders Association and has been for quite a number of years, quite a large club with a very impressive lineup of shows and charities that they run. And Lori is the director for Region 12 and the president of the Arabian Horse Association of Florida. Also quite an impressive lineup of things that they do, and we're going to just hear some thoughts from each of them. Donna, why don't we start with you? Tell us a little bit about the Minnesota Club and some of the key programs that y'all run each year and what you do to help greater influence with the Arabian breed. All right, Paul, maybe just I'll give you one little bit of history. Um, Our club has been around for 40 years. We started as a Minnesota Club, and we had sponsored Minnesota Stallions, and we had a, a stallion auction and a futurity that went with it. And now all this time later, we have grown into a club that puts on a stallion auction every year, but it's a national stallion auction. We do it online, and we have both Bahalter futurities, and we have a performance show and a performance futurity. So we've changed over the years trying to stay in touch with what's going on around us in the Arabian horse world. Well, so the main primary show is Minnesota Fall Fest. Right, and that's quite a well-known show for those who haven't heard about it. And how many years have y'all been running that show? You know, Paul, I, I'm not even sure. Forever, okay? Because we had the, <laughs> the first show, at, at, you know, started three years after our first futurity. And so we've been running the show forever. As I said, it's changed over the years. But last year we had a great show. We had some really good um, participation, but we usually do. And um, here's to the future. Well, absolutely. You know, one thing that you and I talk about a lot is the the, the need for a changing paradigm in the marketing of, of horses. And Arabian horses is what we care about. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and how you're doing your best to stay current with what's available to, you know, be better promoters of the horse. Yeah, and Paul, it is really a changing environment. I, uh, Lori is in, I think a real, I'll let her speak for herself, but in my opinion, she's in a real growing environment. And I, we're up in Minnesota, you know, the northern part of the United States. And we have suffered from losing some trainers. Lori Conway, for example, has been a Minnesota person and a great supporter and on the board of Minnesota Breeders forever, and she's now down in Florida. And we've lost some other trainers. So for us, the challenge is we have to keep our show innovative and exciting and fast-moving, and we have to be able to pay out significant money in our classes to be able to keep and attract participants that want to come and show. And so far, we've been able to do it with a whole combination of different things. We took our auction from a site auction to an uh, online auction, and that made a big difference for us in bringing in people that would bid on our stallions. We have added new classes. We have added new contests. We have upped our prize money. 
Uh, is there anything in particular that you'd like to have me talk about? Well, no, those things are all excellent. One thing I think you talked about um, when we had a chat the other day was the the programs that you offer at your shows, like luncheons and little seminars and things where people can learn. Yes. We try to make coming to our show a three-day experience where people don't really want to leave the show grounds. So we put on two lunches. We have speakers, and, and I hope I'm not letting the cat out of the bag here, but we've invited you to come and speak this year. We've had Sheila Varian speak at our show. At our show, We've had some very, very good speakers and, and a lot of attendance at those, those luncheon seminars. We have, last year we had a Best Decorated Stall Contest, which was pretty fun. Any farms that are celebrating significant anniversaries, we have a table where they can set up for cake or dessert or something to celebrate their anniversaries. We're adding a table this year so that people can put a flyer on the table for horses that they have for sale and that people that are there for three days can walk over and take a look at who's got what for sale. Um, We try to do some fun things with money. I'm probably ahead of myself here, but um, for example, last year we took three regular classes. They were all performance classes, and we decided that first place, just first place in each one of those classes would get the regular money, and in addition would get a check for $2,000. And let me wow. tell you, we almost had to do splits on those classes. They were so packed with people, and it was so much wow. fun. Wow. So real quickly, Donna, what classes were those? We picked the, the senior riders, the older riders, and we did a country English pleasure a hunter class, and a western class. Wow. Donna, real quick, you saw an impact, though, by putting that extra prize money with more entries. We saw a heck of an impact, Paul. Those classes were really big, to the extent that this year we have pulled some more money out, and we are now trying to figure out innovative ways to pay it out. Um, If you have a finite amount of cash that you want to give away, I think, in my opinion, as club president, the worst way you can do it is just to do it across the board. Then everybody gets an extra $25 and nobody cares. Um, instead, we were pulling out specific classes and adding to the money. For example, next, the standard first place prize for our auction colt and our auction filly is $10,000. When we did our auction a couple years ago for 2024, we said we will up that to $20,000. So in 2024, our auction Colt and Philly are each eligible to win $20,000. That's pretty good for a, for a show in Minnesota. And we're thinking about maybe doing that again. We're thinking about doing some fun things with top tens. For example, we get all, all the, in, in a performance class or, or in a halter class, we get everybody pinned. And then we have the top 10 stay for a minute, and we just draw, and we give whoever's number we pull at random gets an extra $500. So, you know, we think out of the box all the time for things that are fun, but it gets people in the stands, too, to wait and see what happens. No, absolutely. And one other thing before we get some feedback from Lori, you do some things at your shows to um, offer a place for newcomers to learn a little bit more, to talk to people or feel greeted and welcome. Is Could you explain that a little bit? Yes. We have, of course, we have an open barn. And we have, we advertise, we're at the, the Coliseum, St. Paul Coliseum at the fairgrounds. And last year we finally were able to get advertised in their newsletter. We had uh, newspapers, local newspapers, put in something about our show. And I would say we had more people going through the barns this year that were non-horse people 
than we've ever had. It was it was really fun. And we advertise when we're going to have the lunch and encourage people to walk up and ask questions. So we had quite a bit, quite a nice group of people going through the barns last year, and we really want to encourage that to continue. No, that's fantastic. Well, great example, and I know the Minnesota Club has been a very strong club for many years, and you run it like a business, and I think that's a really important mindset for all of us that are in leadership positions. That This might be a horse club, and it might be kind of a hobby, but you're running a business. Yes, and Paul, one thing we did the last couple of years that was really beautifully received is, you know, we came out of COVID, and it's shows were being canceled and classes were being canceled and um, we are not an AHA show we're a club show but I worked with AHA and they were wonderful and we got um, some AHA approved classes into our show two years ago so that we could give people an opportunity to get one ride on their horses before they went to nationals and that was a big draw the train, you know, that if the trainer's bringing five horses that are eligible for our show, and they can add three more that could ride in the AHA class, that's what they did. So we've done it for two years. We're going to do it for a third year. And kudos to AHA for and Region 10 for helping us get that accomplished. Well, and just for those listeners, the reason your show wasn't an AHA show was because all you were doing prior to that was your own futurities, and you didn't need to be an AHA sanctioned show. So that's that was correct. an addition that helped, right? So that's an important clarification. I just wanted to say that the other fun part is we got some people in with their horses to ride in the AHA classes that are now interested in our program. And so I think it was good for us to put that on too. That's excellent. Well, Lori, turning to you, let's talk first about you being the president of the Arabian Horse Association of Florida. And you kind of can't separate that too much from being Region 12 director. Those are two huge jobs. Talk a little bit about what's going on down there. I know with WEC, the new World Equestrian um, Facility in Ocala, you've got a lot of activity, and it's been a lot to manage the last year or two. You want to share a few details? Um, absolutely. Well, as far as the between AHAP and Region 12, the AHAP show is 55 years old this year, and Region 12 will be 45 years old this year. So. This region and this club is a very long-standing organization, very similar to the Minnesota Club. We were facing the issue before the World Equestrian Center existed of how to keep ourselves relevant and how to keep the show going. Um, I think in general, across the board, we all know uh, in the country that fewer and fewer people are getting into horses, um, and we were all feeling the pinch. Um, we were the lucky recipients of the equestrian lottery when WEC was built, and uh you know, John Ranenberg is real close over there and went over and toured the facility and he gave us all a phone call and says, you need to come see this. And we went and looked at it. And this was in January, uh, the first year we were there, two years ago, looked around and said, I wonder if we can do this and put the budget together and figured out that we could. And we did. And it was the, you know, the best decision we made for the region. Huge show, doubled in size. And then again, this past year, 20, 25% more horses. Now you're talking about the Region 12 show. Where Correct. was it before y'all moved to WEC? Perry, Georgia, which is a great facility. I mean, it, it, it was an, it's a nice facility. There's no comparison because there's, well, Paul, you've been there. There's no facility like yeah. this anywhere. Um, and so, it, you know, Perry was incredibly good to us for a very long time, and we're grateful. But when we had the opportunity to be able to move the horse show to a facility like the World Equestrian Center, you have to try, and we did, and it was the right decision, clearly. 
Um, well, you know, but, real quickly, I, I had seen John's videos of the facility, and, of course, I'd seen other videos and pictures that other people were posting. And I had driven from Region 7 to Region 12, which is Scottsdale to Ocala, mm -hmm. and I was really wondering on this drive why I was doing this. I mean, I need to go home <laughs> and get a nap. I get to that facility, and the images on social media and the videos didn't even do it justice. You, it's a wow moment everywhere you look. It's just such an impressive facility. It is. It is. And, it, you, and that's what you, know, you tell people. You cannot fathom what it's like until you put your feet on the ground there. And, they, you know, they're still adding things, improving things. I mean, and since you've been there, they have another two huge arenas back by Arena 5, and they're putting in a parking garage by the hotel. The front entrance, they're putting in um, a more economy-type hotel, they call it, and a convention center and more retail and more restaurants. And so it's really going to become its own little community, sort of how Disney World has been created where yeah. you, you literally do not have to leave. There's the vet hospital now. People don't have to leave. They don't have to go and try to find entertainment off-site because they don't want to leave the showgrounds. Right. fabulous. So it, it, well, the facility itself is exactly what our region needed, and we took advantage of it, and it was the right decision. And, of course, then the club followed suit because we all had a meeting after that, that the AHAP board had a meeting and said, we need to try to move our show here. And we did. And again, it was an incredible, successful thing to do. Just Lori, so people Lori, are clear. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I, know, I know. You need to come visit. I'm so, so, so humbly grateful to be able to be at that facility. And let me tell you, I guard our relationship with the World Equestrian Center um, very carefully. And I... I cherish it and nurture it because I don't want them to ever say, oh, we don't want the Arabian people there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. as well, you, as well you should. When I got there last year, it, they had the main hotel, the big fancy one. They're built, they're building or built two hotels um, mm -hmm. at some point, the one you mentioned and the second one. Plus, yes. Like you said, it's almost like a city. You've got a gas station. They have a little banking center. They've got mm -hmm. nine restaurants at that time, not counting the hotel restaurants, plus all the new restaurants and the shopping and everything. It's just it's quite an experience. And it gives people, you know, we talk a lot about where we go when we have our horse shows. And if you're going to a city that isn't a very, um, what would you call a destination location, mm -hmm. it's not that much fun. And this kind of gives the, the ambiance that you need for putting on these fantastic events and also that draw in the outside crowd. Exactly. Exactly. It is, it is that it, you know, the, the husbands want to come, the why you know, the, the non-horse people of the family want to come too, because there's things for them right. to do. Even just what's interesting is during the show, I'll go upstairs, both the holiday show and region 12 is I'll go up into the mezzanines, which are kind of what would be similar to the sky boxes and seeing how many people are up there on their laptops working while they're at the show with the windows open and they can be watching the horse show. I mean, it, it, there's just so many positive to it. Um, we're just so lucky. And it's been really good for the Spotlight Futurity, which is similar to what you do up in Minnesota. Um, last year was their most successful Spotlight Futurity auction ever in the history of the Spotlight Futurity. And then this year, uh, Mike Wilson was telling me that they have more mayor nominations than they've ever had and more stallions in the auction lineup for this year. So it's That's been a huge boost for the breeding program in Region 12. And 
it's kind of interesting because we see some farms closing or slowing down their breeding. And then I'm sitting here wondering, are we going to have enough horses in five years to support our industry? And now that I hear about the successful futurities that we're doing both in Minnesota and Florida, and obviously Scottsdale as well, I have a little, you know, resurgence of faith that we're going to have enough horses to be sustainable. Well, I've judged the Thanksgiving show several times and, what a long-standing tradition y'all have had with that show for years and moving it to WEC into Ocala was a big deal. Was there anything in particular besides Keystone? Was there anything else that y'all did um, that was different this year besides moving it and adding Keystone? Well, uh, this is actually the second. We've had two years at WEC. Uh, The first year, you know, we didn't have the Keystone, but because the show coincides with their holiday festival lighting, what we all noticed, the board noticed, is all of these people coming to see the lights and watch the horse show. And Keystone was born out of that, of what do we do with all of these people. But, you know, we did uh, on Friday night, uh, the first year, we did a stallion presentation. And we let the, during the dinner break, the stallions came in and they paid a small fee. And we took that money and had an exhibitor party and paid for the food. And that was hugely successful. That just kind of grew into this past year, which, again, we had more horses and filled pretty much all the barns on that one side of the facility. Um, and, and then Keystone was born out of it. And it, it, it was incredible. Sure. And, and, again, the same thing, the pro-am classes that the Keystone offered uh, were huge. And, I mean, it was they do like that prize money. And not all clubs are as fortunate as the Minnesota club to be able to offer that kind of prize money, but it does show you that you need to incentivize your exhibitors to come to your horse show. And that's my challenge to all the clubs and all of the regions that put on a horse show or an event of some kind is you need to figure out a way to market your show, incentivize your exhibitors to get to the show because the more people come, the easier it is to meet your bottom line. If you're hoping and praying that you're going to get 100 horses and you don't do anything to try to get 150, you're still going to get 100. You're not going to grow. Right. And as both the Region 12 board and the AHAP board are very forward-thinking and courageous, um, and they put their money where their mouth is, and they help support both shows. We have very, very generous trainers and exhibitors and owners that, you know, never question when we say, okay, here's the sponsorship form for this year, and the checks just start rolling in. Because they know it takes a village to do this. I want to insert one thing. You know, we have our stallion auction every year. And if it, I can't say enough about the stallion owners nationally that will donate a breeding to Minnesota breeders. We're far away. We're not in the Scottsdale circle. We're not in the Florida circle. But they have supported our club year after year after year because they understand that we need to get more people breeding. And the way to do it is with some of these online auctions. So, again, let me take this opportunity to just thank those owners that have supported Minnesota breeders all these years. We love you. Well, and that's important. I think our breeding community needs to continue to be fostered and appreciated because they really are the backbone of the industry. Um, and supporting those breeders, whether they're large breeders or small breeders, is, is a vital aspect of everything that we're doing. Lori, I want to ask you about one thing in particular. So when Keystone came to you and they said that they wanted to add this element to the show and you all figured out a way to fit it in there and you all were really mm-hmm. taking advantage of the opportunity to have that crowd that already existed on the grounds mm-hmm. 
and then new people that they brought in for the Holiday of Lights to expose them to Arabian horses at something they were going to be at anyway. Right. Right. So when when shows think about their locations or their timing and their events, and I know moving shows in terms of dates or locations is not easy, but if you have an event that's in the city that you can somehow tie yourself to, you will increase your traffic as a result. The same idea, right? Correct. Yes. And that's the thing is that you have to hook up with something and it's, you know, it's whether it's a county fair or um, a holiday weekend or some county event or, or, you know, even if you're at a facility and they're having an RV show, get over there and invite them to come over. Um, at Region 12 on the Saturday, we have the Festival of Speeds where there's a group here in Florida that bring all the fancy cars and they put them out around the plaza. And he likes to be alongside the horse show because he's all about horsepower and he uses that to help market his event. And then, of course, those people come and look at our horses and we go look at their cars. So if there is a way for these clubs um, and regions to look at their calendar and try to align their dates with other events, they will see an increase in foot traffic, especially if they market it. Well, when I used to run Region 9 and also the Pro-Am Challenge, which were based out of the Fort Worth facility, you know, we were close to Billy Bob's Texas. We always did promotional events with them. We even had one of the country music stars come and perform one evening. But any of that was the same idea. It's bringing the crowds from other places and attaching yourself to other events that are, you know, have the tourist traffic there to help have them be at your horse show also. So, Lorianne, we have talked a lot about the horse shows. What else are you all doing to support the people in your club and your region that aren't members of the showing community, but they are Arabian horse lovers? That's a great question. And that is actually a uh, goal of the current board, done it for the last couple of years, is that we decided to have a couple events every year, kind of an outreach type of a situation. We did an open house clinic at the barn, um, Mike Wilson's place, uh, just with um, clipping, braiding, and halter and sport horse presentations. And one of the neat things that Mike did is the people who came, we had a lot of people who just were interested in the grooming part, like how to properly clip a horse. Like I said, pony club kids and 4-H kids came to this. And at the end of the session, Mike let them all take a 15-minute lesson with his championship halter horses, and they got to learn how to show these fabulous horses. And it was so neat to see their faces when they would get the horse to stand up and their ears would come up. I mean, it was just really entertaining for them, but it also put, literally put their hands on the horses. They didn't just sit and watch and take notes. They actually got to handle these horses. So that was really amazing. And then we also started a fun show series. We try to do it, um, obviously, one a year, but sometimes two, where it's an open schooling show, and we have the open breed classes, but we also have the Arabian-specific classes, and we have high points, and we have um, trophies and buckles and, you know, ride a buck and, you know, the fun classes as well, and we get, you know, usually the judges um, donate their time, and George Z comes and does our announcing for us sometimes, and, the, you know, everybody helps, and the local academies bring their kids, and then we also have the national championship horses there that are practicing, and it, that's really wonderful. Those shows tend to run at a loss for us, but we have some amazing annual corporate sponsors that just give the club money to help fund those type of things. We've done two obstacle challenges where we've gone to facilities that have, like, the obstacle courses, and those right. were a big hit. Um, and then we have a working Western Clinic coming up. Um, in March. And so we try to touch on everything from endurance to fun activities to clinics and seminars as well 
as our annual horse show. And one point I would like to emphasize on your clinic that you did at Mike's, mm-hmm. um, you, you had a braiding section, and then you talked mm-hmm. about grooming, right, mm-hmm. and clipping. The, the topics of these seminars really do not have to be that advanced. There's a lot no. of people that would I mean, love to learn from someone who has that experience right, the proper way to do those things. And those might seem yes. parochial, but they're very critical. Well, they are. And it's, and it's what's, like I said, what was really neat is to see the diversity of the people who came to them. Right. And, you know, just to just come down and be in the barn. And, you know, it was springtime when we did that clinic. And so we had the folds and everybody was seeing the babies. Mike is so personable and he is a big grassroots believer. It's neat to see him and other, you know, the, the people who are helping with the braiding and the clipping donate their time and, and, and give their knowledge to new people. And that's what's important to the board as well as, like I said, it's the show. And that's why we were so excited about the Keystone is that that's right up our alley with our mission of promoting the Arabian horse. We have to put on the show, you know, because we have to create a qualifier and, you know, that helps us make money for the year, things like that. But these other parts are just, they're the icing on the cake. They're fun. Well, and one thing, as a side note about Keystone for folks, a Keystone in your area doesn't have to be as big and fantastic as the one in Ocala. They had a different Mm -hmm. venue and they have ability, but you could do a little mini, Becky Nash calls it the abbreviated version of Keystone, could come to Mm -hmm. your show and help you. And and it doesn't have to be a fanfare, right? No, it's just a horse for people to touch. I mean, and that's the thing we all know, as soon as they touch them and pet them, then they fall in love and then... Then you then you give them opportunities to say, okay, if you're interested in and in getting more involved with horses, here are our clubs that are local, or here are our local discovery farms or riding academies, or you know, as uh, Rob Vick discovered, he talked to somebody the first year at the holiday show um, that it came in to watch. They were here visiting someone in Florida, and they came to the show to watch, and they're from California. So Rob was able to connect them with a the trainer in California for their daughter to take lessons. It's just networking, as you know. So Donna, give us some advice from a club president's perspective on on the importance of running your club as a business. I know that's very important for you and how you run and manage everything up there, and would, would you share a few thoughts on that? Paul, our club is a little bit different. We are owned by our members. We have a, a number of members, and they actually own the club. We're incorporated. And so as the president, I have a fiduciary responsibility to my board of directors and the owners. And my background is business. Um, I've been an Arabian horse breeder for 30 years, but before that, I was the company CEO. So I run it like a, like a business. And I think that's made a big difference in the club over the last maybe five or six years. We do a, what we call a post-mortem after every show. We look at every class. We look at how many entries were in there. We look at interest in classes. Out of that post-mortem starts to evolve what we're going to do for the next year. We love to think outside the box and bring in different classes and different ways of doing things. Out of that came the AHA shows. Out of that came a performance futurity we put together. Um, You just have to pay attention to what is happening around you. Our group of of clients is changing. I think we're seeing more amateurs than we've ever seen before. And we're an amateur show, so we're trying to take advantage of that and encourage more and more amateurs to come in here and try to win some decent money. Um, Again, Paul, it changes every day. It's, It's an evolving process on what we're going to show and what what classes we're going to put on, what we're going to do for entertainment. And I think you just have to stay aware and you have to be 
quick to move, be able to make quick decisions. I have a fantastic board. We've been together for a long time. We work together well. And I think that's real critical to some of the things we've been able to do. Absolutely. Well, Lori, let's close with you. As a regional director and as a club president, do you have any last words of wisdom for regional directors and or club presidents on what they can do to help stimulate the action and activities in their areas? Yes, actually. Uh, one of the first things you do is make sure you surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and have incredible skills that you're going to need to draw from. That's that's my number one, is that I'm a big believer in um, having good counsel around you. You know, for example, if you if you're having problems managing your books, then find somebody who's good at business to help you and get them on board, things like that. Um, and, and look for the talents. When you're at your, at your events, look around. If you see some younger person who's great on social media, get them to get your, you know, your social pages managed. I mean, it's really a matter of finding the talent and um, developing it and getting everybody to work together for whatever goal it is that you create for your club if your club right if your club doesn't put on a show but they want to do community stuff then that's what you do you create a goal you know a, an outline and execute it i mean don't hope something's going to happen you have to get out and do something about it so action oriented and people that are focused and have skill sets that you may not yes. have you, you engage them and delegate to them i've noticed even with ourselves we love raving horses we've just had about a half a dozen social media young younger folks that they're all excited and they're doing new fun social media stuff and they love it. They have a good time and it gives them a way for them to be involved, still drawing information to the Arabian horse and education and fun things for them to watch and t chat about. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. Lori Ann from Region 12 and Donna from Region 10. We really appreciate both of you being here. Thank you for having me, Paul. It was wonderful. Thank you. This is Austin, director of the We Love Arabian Horses podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, make sure that you click subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Comments, questions, guest ideas, feel free to send me an email at austin at welovearabianhorses.com or just use the contact us button on our website at weloveArabianHorses.com. Thanks for listening.